1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. The Washington Commanders, the worst-kept secret in the National Football League based upon some of the information that trickled out this week, thanks to guys like Joe Theismann and also a a helicopter reporter who managed to show that Commanders was the name that the team was getting ready to unveil today. That is the name, the Washington Commanders. And, you know, Peter, the, the big critique I have, the, first of all, I, 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 the name doesn't really do anything for me, but we'll get used to it, just like anything else. I remember when Baltimore became the Ravens when the Browns moved there. I thought, that just doesn't sound like a football team name to me, and we just, we just got used to it over time. It helps to have a good team. All of a sudden, Raven sounds pretty damn good. And the uniforms look pretty damn good, just like the Bengals uniforms, as Sims said Monday. They're starting to look pretty damn good. He's hated them for years. When the team is good, they look a lot better. The problem that they had with this was they had so many potential names, you were never going to have a majority of the fan base get behind one of them. What's going to happen is, and what will happen is, a majority of the fan base will be disappointed because they were pulling for something else. There was never a sense that there was support behind commanders. It was just kind of like, well, let's see what they do. Let's see how they screw this up. And uh, based on those uniforms, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'll get used to them. Maybe i am just uh, get off my lawn today, but I don't like the looks of them and all that build up for something that, that just feels kind of flat. The good news is they abandoned the name that they needed to abandon. And I would have been fine with Washington football team going forward. But the good news in all of this is it means that they got rid of a name. And you were at the front of the line on this years ago. They needed to get rid of it, and they did. I really
2: like Washington football team. It was so weird. It was so quirky that uh, it was was great. And, you know, I remember the first time I ever saw a score on NFL.com where it said, Giants 14, football team 7. I mean, you know, and I just said, now that is cool. It's just, it's so weird that it's cool. And Mike, you're right. You know, nicknames are nicknames. Cleveland Guardians, Washington Commanders. The important thing is that names that by many people in our society, not a majority, but by many, Uh, that are seen as racist uh, or insulting to Native Americans are going by the wayside. And I think that is the upshot here, that in the last, I would say, eight years, maybe nine years, when the movement has really been strong, no matter what Daniel Snyder ever said, he was not going to be allowed to keep his team, or not going to be allowed to keep his team name. You know, in many ways, I wish that that Roger Goodell had taken as as hard a stand on Daniel Snyder when it comes to the sexual harassment inside his team than he did, obviously, behind the scenes on really encouraging, as did other people in the NFL, encouraging Daniel Snyder to say, this cannot stand. You've got to change the name of this team. He has. Hopefully, we won't be talking about this much longer because it has been – just an endless story in the NFL. And although I would have liked the Washington football team to be the permanent name, Washington Commanders, meh, let's move on.
1: And it's easy to forget how this all came to be. It was eight, nine years ago that the push really began aggressively to point out that the name of the Washington franchise was a dictionary-defined slur. And Really, the one thing that Daniel Snyder did in his 22 years of owning the team that fans got behind was when he angrily said, all caps, never, I won't change the name ever, the fans loved that. And it wasn't until the the post-George Floyd awakening that so many of us engaged in, and, and that's what resulted in FedEx putting pressure on daniel snyder and there was kind of an avalanche of sponsors saying the name has to go that they got rid of the name otherwise it would still have that name and that's the common thread between the washington situation and the brian flores litigation you know the nfl said a lot of things because it had to post george floyd there were a lot of players who were upset and they wanted to see change and we we see it on the fields we see it on the helmets i think that raises the stakes of what's going on with Brian Flores. And that makes even more curious, Peter, the point that you've been making. These claims are without merit. How how does that mesh with the supposedly newfound sensitivity of the NFL to matters of this nature? So, so th- 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 this is this is the aftermath of a seismic change that happened for society in June of 2020. And, um, you know, it all kind of ties together. But the good news is they, they, they've gotten rid of that name. They've got a lot of other issues. There's a congressional hearing tomorrow, a roundtable with former employees about the sexual harassment investigation, and the team no longer has the looming new name as a way to be the bright, shiny object that distracts people from it. The NFL has to deal with that. And, Peter, to tie it back to the other segment about Stephen Ross and tanking, if Congress got interested in sexual harassment... Issues at the Washington football team with legalized gambling continuing to spread coast to coast, north to south, all throughout the country, one state at a time. You can't tell me there isn't going to be a letter sent to Roger Goodell asking what he plans to do about the allegation that an owner of an NFL team instructed his head coach to throw games. I hope so. I hope he gets a thousand letters
2: uh, from influential people, not only in Washington but from inside his own league. If I am a responsible, uh, conscientious owner in the NFL right now, I, I basically, I'm dashing off a letter today to Roger Goodell that says, how can you just sit there and support a statement saying that these claims are without merit? How can you sit there and automatically categorically take one side of a dispute didn't you uh in deflate gate didn't you say okay we're gonna hear all sides of this story you know we're gonna hear from the patriots we're gonna hear from the equipment managers we're gonna hear from brady we're gonna we're gonna hear from everybody and then the facts will determine what happens in this case whether you agree with what happened or not. You know, the NFL basically said, we're going to find out what happened. How can you do that in cases like that? How can you do, how can you issue statements all the time that says, we are still gathering information on this story, uh, and we will have no further comment at this time? How do you do that with everything else? And then when it involves one of your own, you say nothing to see here. You say, these, these are totally without merit. I, I, if I were an owner today, a responsible, conscientious owner, you know, I, I would be talking to Roger Goodell and I would be saying, how can you do this? How in the world can you make it seem like every team? Because, look, if you have that attitude about Stephen Ross, that he absolutely did nothing wrong, before you even know whether he did anything wrong, how can we expect to believe any statement that comes out of the league office because clearly you are going to stand behind one of your own versus anybody else who would come and challenge
1: one of your own and uh, next week in connection with the super bowl the commissioner will be speaking and hopefully he will get and he will surely get some brian flores questions and uh, this is one of the reasons why he gets $65 million a year to be the one who has to stand there and answer those questions. But I would love to know why right out of the gates, to echo your point, their response is the case is without merit. How can you even begin to know? And what are you going to do about Stephen Ross? And hopefully we'll get answers from the NFL sooner rather than later. Well, it was going to take something historic to Trump. The retirement of the greatest NFL player, possibly greatest professional athlete of all time, Tom Brady, retired, and uh, there were some reactions, and we'll talk about that when this Wednesday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. Hey, Tom, just want to congratulate you on a uh, unbelievable NFL career. 22 years, seven Super Bowls, multiple MVPs. I mean, really, no one did it better than you uh, during your time. And so it was an honor and privilege just to watch you compete, watch you play, and to do it at such a high level for so long. In your 22nd year, you were playing as good as you ever were. So, uh, you know, just unbelievable to watch you win a Super Bowl uh, when I was in college. I got to watch you win a few while I was in the NFL, and I saw you win one when I was retired. That's a pretty... Uh, impressive career right there. So uh, good luck in retirement. Congratulations on an unbelievable career and uh, appreciate your generosity and at least sharing a few of those Super Bowls with me. All the best, pal.
2: (laughs) Eli Manning. (laughs) There's always going to be that. Always, always, always going to be that. I think it's hilarious that he's always going to include, Mike, that little part at the end.
1: And here's NBC New York's headline, Breaking Tom Brady, who lost two (laughs) Super Bowls to the Giants during his legendary career, retires. Uh, Nick Foles, (laughs) the other quarterback to beat Tom Brady, got a little dig in as well. Handshake dig. Oh, yes, because after Super Bowl 52 and after losing to the Bears on that Thursday night when Tom Brady lost track of the downs, no handshake for Nick Foles. That was an issue that came up in advance of the playoff game between Tom Brady and the Eagles, which ended up being the last victory of his career. The Jets want to know, this better be real. Yes, don't worry, Jets. You don't have to deal with Tom Brady anymore. (laughs) And and Peter, it was so weird how it happened. Uh, Mad Dog, our good friend Mad Dog, Chris Russo, for whom Serious Mad Dog Radio is named and which has the premiere every week of the Tom Brady Let's Go podcast radio show. He was hot yesterday about the fact that... He didn't announce his retirement on Monday night on that show and instead created the impression that he hadn't made a decision yet when he knew damn well what was going to happen the next morning. He didn't roll out of bed and thumb that multi-page retirement statement on his iPhone the morning that he released it. That thing was written and rewritten and revised and re-revised and vetted and re-vetted. He knew when he told Jim Gray that the decision will come when it comes. It already came.
2: You know, here's the thing, Mike. Um, I understand all of that, and I realize this is going to be seen as a very uh, Brady-empathetic comment, but if I'm Tom Brady and I don't want to announce my uh, retirement on a podcast or uh, I don't want Adam Schefter and Jeff Darlington to announce it and I don't. I, I want to do it when I want to do it. Let them do it. I, I. That's that is what I think about all of this stuff. And because there are nine jillion people who cover the NFL, who write about the NFL, who talk about the NFL, things become stories that will not even be in the 198th paragraph of Tom Brady's. Uh, New York Times obituary in 2094, <laughs> you know, and and I think sometimes we get caught up in these little things that I just simply don't care about. I don't care when the announcement was made. I don't care how he made the announcement. I just that stuff to me it is it's it, it, I'm not saying it's meaningless, but it's one tenth of one percent of what this story is, which is that. You know, the greatest quarterback of all time is not going to play
1: football anymore. Do we think he's truly done or could it be a one year where he doesn't play? Because he has said, and, you know, all year long it created the impression he was playing through 2022. It wasn't until the last couple of weeks that it all turned. And most people, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know why it wasn't a bigger deal that he's made it clear he's playing through 2022 people. And now he says he's not. He said he doesn't want to turn on a football game and watch guys play and think, they suck, I can still do it. Well, he better not turn on the TV on any Sundays, Monday nights, Thursday nights, or whenever there's NFL games this fall because he will see quarterback play that makes him say, I just threw 5,000 yards last year. I set the single-season completion record. I can still be doing this. These guys are horrible. This is driving me crazy. Could you see him finding his way back to the game in 2023?
2: I'd be very surprised, Mike, because look, uh, I think it's one thing for a guy to retire who really doesn't have anything of significance up with him. But we've seen in the last year, two quarterbacks, two of the top 10 quarterbacks statistically in NFL history, Drew Brees, Phillip Rivers, have both been called by NFL teams asking if they would consider for the rest of this season coming out of retirement. Both said no. Philip Rivers, a high school football coach in Alabama. Drew Brees, an NBC Sports NFL analyst. And I think that should provide a little bit of a clue for Tom Brady. Because Tom Brady has a lot going on in his life and not just being a you know a more there father and husband. And I think that probably is the biggest difference and the biggest reason why I would be surprised if he ever came back. I'm not I, I don't I don't know Tom Brady well enough to know whether that there's any chance that it ever would happen and I I sincerely doubt it will, but I also think that He's got an awful lot to do in his life that is going to keep him busy and is going to get him mentally thinking about the rest of his life, not going back to continue a life that he knows. And, Mike, we saw it this year. He knows he can keep playing football into the future. In fact, I believe his legacy, long after he's gone, I mean, obviously is the number one part of his legacy – is his greatness, the seven Super Bowls and all that. But I believe that a huge part of his legacy should be the fact that he has told every quarterback, hey, listen, the rules have changed in the NFL. You're not going to get the crap beat out of you the way quarterbacks did two generations ago. And so you know what? If you want to, you can play into your 40s. And perhaps well into your forties. This isn't like when Phil Sims retired in nineteen after the ninety-three season at age thirty-eight and told me, he said, I wish I could keep playing. I've got the answers to the test now. Nobody can confuse me, but my body just can't hold up anymore. Tom Brady has shown quarterbacks now through how to take care of yourself, through pliability, training, stretching, everything being more important than how much you can squat and and he's shown people the way and I believe that generations of quarterbacks to follow are going to follow his beacon and you're going to see one of these guys I don't know Mahomes, Burrow, Josh Allen play until they're 47 years old
1: Helps the game's gotten safer, too, for quarterbacks, especially. We see it no every question. week with these phantom, as Sims calls, nothing the passer fouls that, that help ensure that quarterbacks will stay upright and keep doing what they do as the most important players on the field. You know, you mentioned Drew Brees. He told Mike Tarico when Tarico was pinch hitting for your Football Morning in America column back in July that if you you, you, you don't use it, you lose it. And Breeze already realized that his ability to throw was evaporating because he wasn't working at it. I mean, Tom Brady has to be all in all the time to keep himself in football shape. Is he really going to keep busting his butt or or let himself get out of shape and then go through that period where he's got to get it all started up again? Is he really going to do that? I I tend to agree with you. I don't think he's going to be drawn back. He's going to find something else that he can throw himself into. And he's got plenty of other things already from a business standpoint. And Peter, I wonder, I said this yesterday, you know, Peyton Manning could end up being a small percentage minority owner of a team like the Broncos and have a very visible role for an owner who wants to stay in the background. I don't know how much money Tom Brady has. He's probably got, when you combine his assets with Giselle, a hell of a lot more than Peyton or any of the Mannings put together. I kind of wonder whether at some point Tommy's going to have enough money to be the guy who owns the team, not just the guy who's front and center. Wouldn't surprise me if he joins Club Oligarch at some point down the road because we know that you know he's going to replace that dopamine rush from playing football by winning at life and winning in business, and he already has, and I think it's only going to get bigger and bigger for him going forward.
2: I've always thought that Peyton Manning one day – is going to own a team. He's going to do what Michael Jordan did in the NBA. Um, you know, the issue obviously is Peyton Manning, in the NBA, you could you can buy the Charlotte Hornets. or I think that's who they are. You can buy the Charlotte Hornets for whatever, one-sixth? of what it costs to buy an NFL. I I don't even know what what it is. But you can buy the Charlotte Hornets for a a fraction of what it would take to buy the Denver Broncos. So that is the issue. What you need is you need a partner in this, and you need somebody to, to get in business with you and say, hey, Peyton, I want you to be the upfront owner of this team. And when you own this team, you make all the decisions. This is your business. You are going to be Jerry Jones. You're just not going to be the guy. You're going to be putting in 5% of the money. You're not going to be putting in 95% of the money. But that is the best thing, at least in my mind. I would love to see Brady and Manning own teams. I'd love to see Larry Fitzgerald getting involved in the ownership of a team. I'd love to see these guys who were great players and and really thought about the future of the game. I, I'd love to see them uh, become part of this. And who knows if Brady will do that. I think Brady's career is going to go in a different way. Uh, but really, I'd love to see Manning have interest in a team. Let's
1: take a break. When we return, Jim Harbaugh could be returning to the National Football League. He, What in the world is that? He and... In- He interviews with the Vikings today. Take that off the screen. We'll be right back. Jim Harbaugh heading to Minnesota today, which also is National Signing Day. Uh, Not a good sign for Michigan that the coach isn't going to be in the building because he's interviewing for an NFL head coaching job. There is a report from TheWolverine.com that Harbaugh plans to become the next Vikings coach. I've heard, and I'm going to write about this after the show, that he hasn't been offered the job yet. And there may be some push and pull within the Vikings organization about whether to pursue him. The new GM, though, Quasio Dofo wants him. And if the new GM wants him, he should get him. You hired the GM to hire the coach. Let the GM hire the coach. And if somebody else in the building is reluctant, like a Rob Brzezinski, and I've heard that maybe Brzezinski's reluctant. Well, Brzezinski's been there for the years that they haven't successfully chased and and secured a Super Bowl berth. This is the new GM. Let The new, G- new GM is willing to tie his career to Jim Harbaugh. Let him do it. 44-19-1 in four years with the 49ers. Took a team that was 6-10 and to the brink of the Super Bowl without the benefit of an off-season program in his first year on the job. L- l- let him do it. It sure seems like he's willing. Otherwise, he wouldn't be showing up for an interview on National Signing Day. You know, Mike, the... The, the thing
2: that happens when you hire a general manager and you tell the general manager that he's going to have control and authority. And although you want this to be a team decision, you want the Wilfs, you want a, a long time loyal Lieutenant like Rob Brzezinski. You want everybody to be on board. Y- you know, I think that I would be surprised if everyone in the New York Giants organization, uh, you know, who who touched all of the people who were interviewed, I'd be surprised. I'm not – I have no knowledge of it, but I'd be surprised if it was absolutely unanimous that Brian Dayball should be the head coach. Just like I would be surprised if, if, if uh, in most cases, if it was absolutely unanimous among the entire hierarchy of a team that anybody – is is unanimous and so in the case of minnesota really i think that uh i think that without any question that when you hire a new general manager the head coaching hire should be his or else why did you hire the new general manager exactly so i think you're absolutely right i think the one the one thing that i would look at with this mike and the one thing is that you have to decide is this going to end like it ended in san francisco where you know it, it was it was really really ugly at the end. You you want to make sure that he's an all in team guy, and and again I, I have no reason to think that he won't be. But that's going to be the big question
1: with Harbaugh.
0: Well,
1: you got to understand why it ended in San Francisco. My guess is they talked about that enough on Saturday to make them comfortable to bring him to Minnesota on Wednesday. Jim and John Harbaugh a lot alike in Baltimore. They have figured out how to work with john harbaugh since 2008 maybe the problem in san francisco wasn't harbaugh maybe it was ownership maybe it was trent bauke maybe it was something else but cuessi adolfo mensa was there for two years the last two years and he still wants harbaugh so maybe he knows a little something the rest of us don't let's take a break we'll wrap up this wednesday edition FC library after this
0: the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed
1: As the Brian Flores case continues to unfold, there will be more allegations, more information. His lawyer appearing on CNN earlier this morning suggested other coaches may be joining in the litigation, something we discussed earlier and and something that would, would strengthen the cause. Also, Hugh Jackson, the former Browns coach, Peter, apparently suggesting, beyond supporting Brian Flores, suggesting that maybe there was financial incentives to losing during his time in Cleveland where they secured the back-to-back number one overall pick in uh, 2017 and 2018.
2: Look, the reason why Hugh Jackson is at grambling is because he couldn't get a job in the NFL. That strengthens my belief that Hugh Jackson is going to spill whatever
1: happened in Cleveland into the public square. And he could be one of the coaches joining the Flores lawsuit. That's it for today. We'll see you at 5 Eastern for BFT PM